Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. All right, all right. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Love it. Love it. Welcome to everyone joining us online as well as in VR. Um, I, I, always, I always wonder, I don't know, what translates from this space into homes and into virtual reality and things like that. I, I, I listen to, to worship sets sometimes or other, watch other churches, and there's these moments where I, I, I think so much of it is the posture of the heart. But when my heart is postured to say, I want what's happening there, I get what's happening there. And um, for those of you here, I hope you're just, I don't know, I was sitting, standing back there, and I just feel the love of the Lord. In such a sweet and tangible way in this place. From wherever you're watching right now, just say, God, if you haven't felt the love of the Lord, just say, God, would just sweep in this place, wherever I'm at, whether you're on a boat, in a lake house, uh, wherever you're sitting, just say, God, would you, or listening later online, say, God, would you sweep into this place and bring the love of the Lord into, into my space right now? I, th- I just know he's going to do sweet things today. Today, we're finishing up this series uh, called Lost Cause. We all began, so if you weren't here on week one, it began uh, really based on this moment that Jesus is having with uh, a meal that he's, he's having with some sinners, and, and it's guys who've been called out as sinners, and, they're, and then Jesus is going to tell a whole bunch of parables. He tells a parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and finally the lost son, and he calls them lost each time, and at, in Luke chapter uh, 19 verse 10, he kind of summarizes, this was that final verse that we pointed to on week one that summarizes this whole series where Jesus says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Like that's what he is about. He wants to reach those who are far from him or who don't yet have a relationship with him. And not only were they lost, they were the ones. And on week one, we talked about the ones. So in in each of those parables, Jesus is highlighting the priority of the individual, how one matters. One person matters. Do you know that? One person, each individual matters. So he, he prioritizes the one lost sheep, the one lost coin, and the one son. He prioritizes the one. And the simple challenge that I made for each and every one of us in this series was simply this, is that to identify your one and pray for them at one each day. So your one is someone who doesn't yet have a relationship with God or they don't quite know where they are in terms of their relationship with God. And guess what? God actually cares about them more than you could possibly care about them. He's already chasing after them. And what you're saying is, God, I want to join you in what you're up to in reaching that person for you. And so if you would allow me to somehow be on this journey of of helping point someone to Jesus, I'm all for that. I just want to pray to align my heart with yours. I want to pray for them every single day. And then over the past two weeks, we've reviewed some really, really practical aspects about how to do this thing called uh, witness, being a witness or evangelism. And um, 
We're, we're doing this also in partnership with the Ridge Community Church out in Milwaukee. Pastor Mark from there came on out here on week two and preached. And I was out there on week two and preached. And Mark covered the, just these six very practical different types of evangelism styles. Because if you grew up maybe hearing that word evangelism, you're like, I don't know. Does that mean we all have to do it one way? And, and Mark really covered all these different styles. I'm just going to re- read them really quick, review them really quick. The confrontational style, you, that might be you if you just love kind of going right into uh, God gospel-centered conversations. Intellectual style is for those of you who really love having an intellectual conversation of like maybe creation and does creation point to a creator and science and how does all that mesh together? Apologetics, that would be you. Uh, A testimonial style, this is someone who just leans into their story to point people to Jesus. They're like, I just can't help but talk about what Jesus has done in my life. Uh, Interpersonal uh, style, this is people who love people and parties. You You love gathering people together with the purpose of helping uh, others mesh and meet others who might know Christ so that uh, they can mingle together and hopefully point people to Jesus. Invitational style, this is those who say, you know what the easiest and best thing in my opinion is just invite them to church or maybe to a concert, a Christian concert you're going to or something like that or an event that will point people to Jesus. And then the final is the serving style. These are people who just go, I just love serving. I, love, uh, I, I just love loving on people. And, and serving them with the point of, once again, pointing them to Jesus. And so even as I read that or kind of uh, go over those again, maybe you're sitting there going, I just love that I found kind of my niche, where, where I, my bent as far as pointing people to Jesus. Then last week, I covered these things, just some practical tips to keep in mind. First, discern where they are spiritually. This is recognizing I, I kind of had a, a scale, like imagine that that's like negative 10 over there and that's positive 10. And ground zero right here is Jesus. It's what do people think and what's their decision they've made around Jesus. And someone who might be far from Jesus over there, we respond differently. So if they're far from Jesus, I, I just said this. I said, if they're far from Jesus, live out your faith in front of them. And if they're close maybe to having a conversation about Jesus, speak out your faith. And so just kind of discern where they are on their journey spiritually. Uh, we talked about testimonial evangelism. That's If you're a Christ follower, guess what? You do have a testimony. And, and so just to be able to share your story about how God's changed your life. Uh, one verse evangelism, we just covered that, which was uh, memorizing one verse, Romans 6.23, to be able to use scripture, to be able to lead someone to trust Jesus. And then one word evangelism is simply this. In, instead of thinking paragraphs or entire stories, just think one word. How can I drop one word or one phrase that helps point people to Christ. And so we just kind of, those are some tools in the toolbox that I think all of us need to be able to kind of wield, if you will, uh, as we are on this journey of helping people find their way to Christ. Now this week, we're going to end our series by talking about really this one idea, and it's this, it's the importance of proximity. Proximity matters. Who you are near matters. Last year, last summer, I I experienced this in a very real and practical way. Lisa and I actually had a very tough summer last summer. Just uh, we had a bunch of family hurdles that we were working through. And um, at the beginning of that summer, kind of midway through the summer, I ended up in a boat. I got invited to go water skiing with a group of guys. And, um, and I found myself in that boat almost every day, water skiing with these guys early, early in the morning. And um, those guys, I'll just say, they, they totally carried me through last summer. 
My wife, she is a, someone she walks with almost every week. And, and that person, so for, for me, I ended up in a boat. For my wife, she ended up on walking trails and roads. And those individuals were the ones that carried us through because proximity mattered. And I, I realized even in my own life, if I, if I wasn't that close to those individuals, it would have been really, really difficult for me to make it through, through that time. Uh, because proximity matters. And here's kind of the, if I could give you the big idea of what I just really want all of us to step into today and think about, it's this, it's the right people in proximity can change a life trajectory. The right people in proximity can change a life trajectory. And I think you are the right people. You are, you're the right people. And now you gotta get into proximity of others so you can help change life trajectories. And that can be true when just life feels down, kind of like uh, last summer, what Lisa and I were going through. But it also, it's all even more true for the life of the person who doesn't have God in their life as an anchor, that they need the right person in their life to help change their life trajectory. And so do you have the right people in your life, those who can speak life and hope and God into your trajectory, and will you do that for another? And so what we're going to do is we're going to see that this in Jesus today and how he's not afraid to step into proximity with a guy who actually most people were not willing to step into proximity uh, with this guy, someone who was lost. And so if you're a follower of Christ, let me just say this. We all need, I, I would say, you need your closest relationships to be with those who will help propel your faith forward, okay? Those are your closest relationships. However, you also cannot lose sight of God's lost cause, which is his desire to reach those who are lost and join him in it. So it's this fine balance between, all right, how, how in the world do I want to be? Well, your closest relationships with those who will propel your faith forward, but never losing sight of joining God in reaching those who don't yet know him. And so today what I want to do is I want to look at one story, and it's the story that actually leads to that final statement of Luke 10, 19, that said, where Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. That's the exclamation point at the end of this story, okay? And so where does it begin? Well, it begins at the beginning of that chapter. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Here's the, the, the story. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Some of you have probably heard this story before, okay? If you haven't, you're going to hear it now. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. Okay, so on week one, we actually saw Jesus sitting down with a whole bunch of tax collectors. And I covered a little bit about who tax collectors were. There were ones who obviously they collected taxes, but they were also, they were just kind of those cheats, thieves, they were shunned in culture, and the reason why is because they collected taxes and kept some for themselves. And that's how they got really wealthy. So he was really wealthy. He was a chief tax collector, meaning he's, if there's tax collectors, there's those who are even above it. He's the guy who's like, I'm in charge of the tax collectors. I steal from those who steal. That's him. Okay, and as a result, he's stolen from a lot of people in his life. He's gotten really wealthy. Uh, he is the lowest of the low, and in culture in that time, in that day and age, it was actually kind of like agreed upon, it's good to shun these people. Like that's, that was kind of the mindset. Uh, like it's okay for us all to just shun them and think badly about them, and we can even talk badly about them right in front of their face. And they'll be like, yeah, that's me. I'm the jerk. 
because I am, I'm a, I'm a tax collector. And so he likely lived a really isolated lifestyle. He's likely only has friends who are other tax collectors who are also other shunned individuals from culture, just like him. And so next verse, check out what happens here. So he wanted to see who Jesus was because he was short though, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, this tells us a little bit about where I think where Zacchaeus is on, his, on that spiritual spectrum. Remember if it's like a far from Jesus and this is ground zero, a decision about Jesus. This tells me, it says he wanted to see who Jesus was. That tells me that if on the spiritual spectrum, he's like right here. What's he doing? He's running towards Jesus, right? He wants to see Jesus. So this tells me that he's probably very interested in what Jesus might be able to offer him or something different for his life. Now, why in the world might he even have that type of mindset or that idea that maybe this guy, Jesus, could offer me something different than what I'm experiencing right now? Well, Jesus at this point, this is Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 4, Jesus is having a meal with Matthew. Matthew is a tax collector who becomes a disciple. So here this is much later. Do you think the story of a tax collector turned disciple has probably worked its way through the other tax collector like ranks? Through, the, through all the friendships? Yeah. That, that perhaps that this guy Jesus can do something that could, for any of us tax collectors who are regretting our life decision, that maybe there's a different story for us. And so I would argue this guy is sitting there going, he did it for another, maybe he'll do it for me. And uh, so he probably has this sense of hope and real possibilities for something different. So now check out what happens next, verse five. When Jesus reached the, the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, I love this because I love how it begins when it says, and Jesus reached the spot. He looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Jesus invites himself over. Isn't that kind of crazy? Like the audacity of Jesus to be like, hey, I'm going to go over. You're going to host me. I've had this like, you know, where kids come to my door and they ring our doorbell and then they go, can I come in and play? And then they're like in my house. And I'm like, "I, I, I guess here we are. In fact, I think this happened. I'm pretty sure, I'm trying to remember what I, I, I recall this happening with one of our kids. They came home one day and they had muffins. And I was like, where'd you get the muffins? And they're like, well, from the neighbor. I said, they made us muffins? And they're like, no, I went over there and baked muffins. And I was like, you did what? And they're like, yeah, I went to the door. I said, do you want to bake? And, and, and I was like, what? And they're like, yeah. And they agreed. So I went in and baked. So you invited yourself in to use their oven, their supplies, and them coach you in how to make muffins. And you brought home muffins. And I was just like, oh my word. It's like these moments in life, you know, where it's like, really, that's what Jesus does here. He's like, hey, can I come on in, use your oven, you, and, feed, and you'll feed me, right? And, and so that's what he does. He invites himself on over. And what's awesome in this, in this moment, 
When he says, I want to come to your house, I've covered this before. Going to someone's house is more than just like, hey, can I come on in? Can I stand in your front foyer? To go into someone's house in, Jewish, in, in this Jewish culture, Jesus's day, meant that you were going to have a meal together. He was literally inviting himself in. I'm going to come on in and you're going to make a meal for me. And having a meal with someone, really, it was this indication that you and I are friends. So when Jesus says, I want to come to your house, he's literally saying, I want to be your friend. Now, the other reason why this is really important that Jesus is actually the one who initiates the invitation, like the invitation into this guy's house, is because, quite frankly, Zacchaeus would have never extended the offer. You're like, why? Here's why Zacchaeus is a sinner, he's a tax collector. In this day and age in Jewish culture, if you outright are sinning, you are considered ceremonially unclean. You, you just were. So that meant that you can't just go to the temple and just worship. And you definitely can't go to the temple and worship if you're in a consistent lifestyle of sin, which he was. It's not like I'm going to go to the temple, wash off, you know, uh, worship, and then go back on out the next day and steal from people. See, because of his life choice as a tax collector, he basically shunned himself from going to church in that day and being able to worship God. He literally like closed himself off from, from people and culture culture and his God, he kissed it all goodbye when he took that job. And so for him being ceremonially unclean, the way it worked in that day, if I was ceremonially unclean and I touched you, it's kind of like cooties. Now you're ceremonially unclean. And if you touch someone, now they're ceremonially unclean. And everyone's like, oh man, you just got me all unclean. Now, I, now it's not a big deal. I mean, truthfully, uh, all they had to do was go and become and go through the, the cleansing ceremony, which was basically... It's what we do for baptism today. That's where we get baptism from, is from that same process. They literally had these, these baths that had steps going down on one side and usually steps walking out on the other. And you would literally, it's like, dunk, 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 clean. You know, that type of thing. And so this is what people are, are, would have to do is they go and go fully under and then come out clean, ceremonially clean on the other side. So for, for the... The tax collector, he would never invite Jesus into his house because it would be impossible for Jesus to come on over and them not to interact and Jesus become ceremonially unclean. So the rabbi was always kind of, they're always clean, right? And so for Jesus, what he's saying when he goes, I want to go to your house, he's going, I recognize you're not going to invite me there because you would never put me in that type of awkward decision to have to make a decision to go, am I going to willingly become unclean to go into your presence? But when Jesus does it, what he's saying is, I value you over what you've done. And I value you over the inconvenience of what even this relationship might mean for me, which is, yeah, I have to become ceremonially clean once again. I'm willing to go through all that for you. As I was saying at the beginning, I feel like the, the love of the Lord is in this place. I feel like so much of this story is this bizarre, over the top expression of love that makes no sense. As he goes, I'm going to, I, I want to reach into this relationship. I want to press into this relationship that makes no sense. Because everyone in that day would have said, this shouldn't happen. This moment shouldn't happen. But Jesus initiates it and says, this is going to happen. And it causes everyone to begin to mutter. They're, they're all talking about it going, can you believe he's doing this? Because he's breaking all the rules right now. And I love what Jesus, you know, models here. He's showing Zacchaeus that he matters. 
He's, he's showing him that there's such value over him. Everyone's talking, but he's modeling something that will forever change how Christians are meant to live their lives. And it's this, that we're meant to be in proximity to and build relationships with those who are spiritually lost. He says that's of top priority. Even though everyone else might point and say, can you believe they're hanging out with that person? He goes like, that's the priority. And it works. It impacts Zacchaeus because notice how he responds. Verse eight, Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Lord, or look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and I've, I've cheated anybody out of anything. I will pay them back four times the amount. What's he doing? He's literally shifting from uh, cheating to blessing others. And when he says, if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. Why does he pick that number? Here's why. Because in that day and age, According to their law, to restore relationship with someone that you've cheated, you had to pay him back four times the amount. So what he's saying is he's saying, I actually want restoration, not just with God, but with all of my community. With every person, I want a restored relationship with them. I want restitution. And I love that, that he steps into it. And then, I don't know if you missed it, but he calls Jesus Lord, which is his way of saying, and I want to follow you. And notice how Jesus responds to him. Final verse. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Now that's a loaded statement. When he calls him a son of Abraham, what he's actually telling us, and everyone else would have known it, but it tells us that Zacchaeus was a Jew. He was Jewish because he's now being restored to the family line. So it's, it's one of these deals when, when he took the, the life as a tax collector, he literally walked away probably from, the, from his family, from community, and from his God. And yet when Jesus says salvation has come to this house, now this man too is the son of Abraham. He's saying, hey, he is welcome back into the family. He's home and you all need to welcome him back and I don't know, you know, how far Zacchaeus felt from God. Like he had a, a track record of things that he would say, it's, it's this thing and this thing and this person I cheated and this person I cheated and this wrong thing I did. I bet he had a massive laundry list of things that he had done wrong. And yet Jesus goes, no, you're never too far gone. And I don't know about you. I don't know where you are in your walk with God or what you've done in your life, but this may be you. Maybe you felt like the black sheep in your family, or maybe you've really went off the rails in your life. Maybe you uh, made one or two or three or too many mistakes <laughs> that you felt like they were just unrepairable, unforgivable, or irreconcilable. And if there's anything though that this story tells us is that you're never too far gone. Here's not. And the love of God and the grace of the Lord is still being extended to people like you and me and people like Zacchaeus. And it all took place because of this profound move that Jesus made of inviting himself into Zacchaeus's house. That's the thing that's causing everyone to mutter, but it's to press into relationship through proximity. And, and proximity is this, it's the foundation of all relationships. You know, you can't have a relationship if you don't just get close enough to someone to be in proximity to them. Uh, but the truth is having genuine relationships, and I just have to emphasize, not fake, not forced, and people who are your ones, they're not projects, folks. They're, they're people 
who you value because God values. And they still need relationships with people just like Jesus who will point them uh, to Jesus. And that's what Jesus modeled. And that's what I want to challenge us to really this uh, summer. Here's what I know is true about summer. Summer offers us kind of a, it's a different rhythm of life and different activities that you step into. How many of you have done something in the last two or three weeks that you hadn't done for the whole year previous? Probably almost all of us. Yeah, you've weeded something, you've been out, you've done something, you got on the, on the lake, you went to the beach, you did something. You're like, I haven't done that all year long, but now that summer's here, I have the time to do it. Uh, maybe you started exercising because you got to get your beach body in shape, you know, that type of thing. I don't know what you're doing, but usually it's like summer offers us a different rhythm to life and things like that, different rhythm and schedules. And so we actually place this series right here and now very specifically because we know what happens during the summer, which is everyone enters into like a little bit different kind of rhythm of life and activities. And so we placed it here so that you could capitalize on summer. Yay! Okay, to actually build relationships with your ones, with those who may not know where they are in relation to God, and they don't quite know kind of how to restore a relationship with the Lord. What would that even look like? And so at the beginning of summer, as a, if I could kind of like commission you into a task, it's to capitalize on the next three months to accomplish something, to build relationships, and to get into proximity with those that you want to build relationships with. And so here's your summer challenge. Purposely step into proximity to build relationships with your ones. That's it. Purposely step into proximity to build relationships with your ones. And I want to give you just some practical, I don't know, ideas of how you could do this, okay? Uh, here's one idea. Backyard picnics. Okay, you, you, have, you likely have a backyard, you probably have a picnic table, you could have people on over. And I love how one, I heard one pastor talk about it this way, and I just was cracking up when he said it. Because uh, even as I say that, some of you are like, man, that means I got to buy extra burgers, I have to buy extra stuff, I have to get extra drinks. Here's how this one pastor uh, actually approached the, pro, the, the idea. He said, I, he goes, I realize that I'm in my house eating a meal I prepared at typically dinner time. And my neighbors in their house eating a meal they prepared right about the same time. How about we just gather around a table outside? And so literally he'd walk over to his neighbors. He'd say, are you guys eating dinner tonight? And they'd say, yeah. What time? They're <laughs> like, no, 5.30. Okay, we are too. How about you prepare your plate and bring it to our backyard picnic? Or to our picnic table. Like literally that, that was it. It wasn't worth preparing anything for you. It's you're preparing your own meal that you're already going to eat. But instead of eating at your table, eat it around our table. And he just flat out said, he's like, I, we haven't gotten to know each other as well as I love. How about you? Would you like to come on over? So it's like something as simple as that. You're not having to prepare anything than, you're, than what you're already going to prepare. You're just inviting someone to join you around a table and have a meal. Just like Jesus did. And so maybe that's a simple way that you could do that uh, with someone in your, in your neighborhood. Uh, here's another way that you could do it. Summer activities. Think about the things that you like to do in the summer that, guess what? There's other people who like to do the same thing 
in the summertime. So like for me, I like water skiing. And guess what? As soon as I've ended up in some boats with other guys water skiing, kind of word gets around. And I've ended up probably now in about five or six different boats water skiing with different guys and not all, all of them know Jesus. And what's great is I get into proximity of those who don't all know Christ because of a common thing that we all like to do together. And so then I'm able to build relationships. And so what is it for you? Maybe, maybe you've got a hobby that, that you like to do or you like to participate in. Maybe uh, if you're a boater, and you got a boat in your front yard and someone else has a boat in their front yard and you go talking to them like, hey, where were you boating? And, and they're like, oh, I love that lake. And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, you're gonna be on your boat. We're gonna be on our boat. Maybe we could meet on our boats, you know, in a lake. And we'll, we'll tie them up together and, we'll, and you'll bring your own food and we'll bring our own food. We don't even have to share. We just, you know, just like build relationships with people, right? It's like, it's... <laughs> You're like, okay, uh, if, if your kids are involved in all these sports, well, it's like, hang out with those family members, you know, the families. If you have another hobby, if you like sand volleyball, you know, join a team, build a team with other people who don't know Jesus. If you like walking, running, biking, in fact, there's one of our groups, it's, a, it's, one of, it's an impact community, Pathfinders, they, they bike, they, they mountain bike and they hike every single week. If you like that, and they just, the, the group's huge with people from our community. And the whole point is kind of, it's like people in a party, but with work involved, okay? Effort, exercise. Uh, so if you like doing that, hop into a group like that, but find people who like to do what you're doing and join them. If you like people in parties, throw a block party. Some of you, as soon as I say that, you're like, that sounds miserable. Well, then don't pick that one, you know? <laughs> but some of you are like, that's me. And we're so glad that's you. You know, we're like, way to go. You love throwing block parties. So throw a block party to meet all the people on your block because they'll all be thrilled because they don't like throwing that. But they want to show up to it and they want to go to it and they want to meet other people. Uh, for those of you who don't like, as, as I say this, any of you don't like hosting other people, cleaning your house and having other people over. Okay, don't raise your hands because everyone's like, oh man, that's me. Well, I know it's like half of you, okay? So here's a handful of ideas of things that you can do that don't require you to clean anything or prep anything or invite anyone over. Uh, if you're going to a concert, invite someone along this summer. If you're going to, a, to the fair, hey, you're going to the fair. I'm going to the fair. Let's go to the fair together. There's fairs, festivals, fireworks. Oh, you're going to the fireworks? We're going to the fireworks. Maybe we should go together. You know, are you, are you catching it? There's parades. There's all these different free things that don't happen anywhere near your house where you can still go and you can gather and you can meet people and you can invest in relationships. If you got kids, think about unique things that you might be able to do as far as meeting up. Hey, people are going to playgrounds. Hey, let's meet at the beach Hey, let's go over to Lakeland Park. Once again, doesn't it require anyone to come on over to anyone's home. You can just, but you can invest, purposely invest in relationships. And so this is all about getting proximity to build relationships with uh, your ones. And so if you've never done this, start with one. Find one opportunity and do it. And then here's what you do. Once you do the first kind of meal, gathering, event, whatever it is, build momentum on it and look for the next opportunity. Invite yourself in, if you will, to that next, like Jesus inviting himself into Zacchaeus' home. You make the invitation. Hey, let's do this again. You know, <laughs> I think this was really good. And invite yourself on in. And so just start with one. 
And once you've done it, build momentum, look for the next opportunity. We've had, I, I think this is kind of, I don't know, I, I think it's pretty sweet that we, we have a couple thousand people who will actually come to our weekend service or watch online or watch VR or watch during the week. Can you imagine what would happen if 2,000 people um, were very purposeful to invest relationally and network with their ones this summer? I, I love it when people <laughs> find their way into church. Sometimes they, I hear this often when they'll walk in and they'll be like, I walked in and I knew that person, that person, that person, that person, that person. Then I'm like, you guys have all been targeting me together, haven't you? You know, that type of thing. But it's like there, there is all these people who are investing in one person because they just are trying, they're, they're going, we just, we care about you because God cares about you. We want to invest in you because God would invest in you. And you're a priority. And so take the summer to pour into those who might currently be spiritually lost and they desperately need someone because the right people in proximity can change the life or a life trajectory. And you are those right people. Get into proximity to change life's trajectories. About 15 years ago, Lisa and I, uh, we had, we've only had one dog in all of our years of being married and that's probably all we'll ever have. So for all of you who are like, you guys want another puppy someday? No, we're over it, okay? We have nine children, that's enough. And uh, so, but we had, we had our, our dog before we had any kids and her name was Glacier. She was a pit bull and uh, she was a baby. I mean, she was so sweet. She was a, an awesome dog. And um, I, we were living in Minnesota at the time and I remember one night I let her outside and I, we didn't have a fenced in backyard and I figured she'd probably just use the restroom and come back in and... Um, but she probably saw a squirrel or a rabbit or something and she took off and she just ran. And so, and I don't rem remember if I saw it right there on the spot or if it was later, but she took off. And so I told Lisa, I was like, Glacier's lost. I gotta go looking for her. And so I drove that night. I remember I drove that night for hours, driving all around the neighborhood, driving up and down the roads. I'm whistling, I'm calling her name. I'm doing all the stuff that I would do to try to call her and she didn't come. And eventually that night, I just kind of had to throw in the towel and say, I hope she'll find her way home. The next day I had to go to work, you know, so you're going to work and then I'd come home that night and I was like, well, I'm gonna go look for Glacier. So I'd hit the road and start driving and whistling and calling and all that and find her. Day three, go to work that night, hop in my car, drive, call, whistle, all the stuff. Day four, go to work, come home, get my car, drive, whistle, call. Day five, go to work, come home, get my car, drive, call, whistle. Day six, day off. Can start earlier in the morning, drive, call, whistle. Day seven, driving around the neighborhood once again. And not far from our house, there I see her. And I call to her and she comes. You know, finding her was just, it was like one of these deals where you're like, I just didn't know if she was ever gonna come because I'm just doing this like every single night. I was gonna keep doing it because she mattered, right? And, and if you've had a dog that you cared about, you would go, I'd probably do the same thing. Listen, 
your friends, your coworkers, those who don't know where they are spiritually with God, they're worth way more than my puppy was. Just way more. They're worth hopping in the car with. But you want to know what? In that little illustration, you want to know who's hopping in the car every night? It's not you, it's God. God hops in the car every single night and he's out on the streets and he's calling his children home. The question is, are you going to hop in with your daddy and go for a ride along? Because this whole series on lost cause is actually inviting us to hop in the car with him of what he's already up to. He's up to the nightly journey of calling his children home. And he'll keep doing it every single night. He will not miss a night, folks, because it's what he's about. But have we gotten lazy and not hopping in the car? The most beautiful thing we can do is join him and join in the party of throwing our head out the window and calling and whistling and making all the noise we can make because people matter and we want to see him come home. Why don't you stand? Let me close this here in prayer. Heavenly Father, I see an army of children who actually just, we want to hop in the car with you. And maybe we've gotten lazy and we've gotten so busy that every night when you go, I'm hopping in the car, I'm going to go call for the lost. Like, no, I got other things to do. I'm so busy. But maybe we would just join you in your lost cause, reprioritize our lives and join you in what you're up to. Maybe you would use us in helping people find their way home. So Lord, we commit to that. Lord, open opportunities for us this summer to get into proximity with people, to build relationships that we might be a part of helping them find their way home to you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. If we can pray for you, our prayer partners will be right down here in the front. Anything that you're facing, we'd love to join you in it. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.